0: Amen, all right, we're in chapter 13 and that would be the role of the woman, the wife, and guess what comes next? Right on, the mother, that's right. Hey men, turn to a lady next to you, hopefully preferably your wife, and say, hey, (laughs) it's your turn now. (laughs) Guys got it for four weeks, ladies. It's your turn, time to shine. Men, try not to uh, smile too much, just a little marriage tip, you'll get in big trouble on the way home. Okay, but just, you know, a little little joy there. Okay, but the role of the woman, the wife, and the mother. Now, again, just like we start off with the guys, there was the question here on the very first page, what is our standard for womanhood? That's the correct answer. Give it up for Jim, even though he's not wearing that hat. Okay, but it's coming, the weather's calming down. And, uh, but uh, yeah, that's a good answer, but what is in reality are most people following? What's the world? Okay, and what does the world say uh, how to be a successful woman? Okay. (laughs) Man, are we on a hot topic? I haven't even gotten into the first page. Whoa, that's right. (laughs) That's right. Aren't you guys glad it bore so much fruit the last four weeks, what it means to be? But uh, but anyway, uh, no, uh, okay, but seriously, what, what does the world say? What's the world's concept of a a, a great woman, as they would say, a successful woman. In oh, that's the word, isn't it? Independent. What's that? We're liberated Liberate is another word. Liberated. Okay. You go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. UCB. We'll just start another way. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the same phraseology that's going on there, uh, but, that, but it's, it's that, it's that uh, self-exertion. It's that, it's that, and what we're gonna see tonight is the rebellious attitude. And you think, oh, that's not right. It's just a, a, a woman asserting her rights, and no. And that's why we're gonna do a little bit of homework. We've talked about this a little bit before, but in the context, let's go in greater detail. Let's take a look. Really what this boils down to is everything used to be somewhat fine. Even here in America, we had what was called, as we've seen before, the Judeo-Christian ethic. Now watch that. That's a great Christianese phrase. That means that basically the guidance for our morals and decision-making in society was based on the, the, the scriptures, Okay, the Judeo-Christian ethic. That has been under attack for a long time. It's been under attack ever since humanism came in after the 1900s, uh, and then that uh, gave birth and continued to rise with evolution, and then shortly after that came feminism, and you, you, you mix that mash all together, and we're all messed up. And it's a deliberate attack, not only on God and on Christianity and certainly the scripture, it is a deliberate attack on the family, okay? Men, and I really think that the lie of feminism, okay, is not only affecting women, I really think it's affecting men, okay? Because they've rewritten uh, what it means to also to be a supposed great man, okay? And again, as we saw before, their ultimate goal is to create what's called a unisex. And what they're wanting to do is they're trying to take men and make them more like women, and they're trying to take women and make them more like men and say it's 50-50 equal and all that stuff like that. Now, what's the problem with that? Thank you very much. Read the scripture. You get, can't get past the Genesis account when it's God made them male and male. No? Female and female. Male and female. You're different. God, that's what God says. Okay, and as we're going to see in the marriage study coming up, willing, our differences are not meant to conflict. They're meant to complement. Peanut butter and jelly, leave it alone, it works great. All right? Feminism is really messed it up. And messed it up not only in society, but it's messed it up even in the church. And I want to give you a little background of really what's going on with the feminist movement. And this is their own words. See, people don't get this. They think that it's all about equal rights, equal pay. No, no. You peel back that veneer, folks, and it is a dark, sinister plot. And this is from their own words, okay? Let's take a little bit of that. It says this, feminism was originally a positive movement focused on giving women the basic rights God's intends for every human being to have. Tragically, feminism has gone past those roots to focus on destroying any trace of a distinction between the roles between men and women. Now, do your homework, you can verify this yourself. Rising from the progressive era that's in the early 1900s, the feminist movement was largely influenced by the eugenics movement. Does anybody know what that is? That's the population control agenda. Okay, that's going on. That's where we got the birth of Planned Parenthood. That's where you have another lady who head that up, Margaret Sanger, okay? work within the, the feminist movement with that. And their goal was to provide birth control. We ha- it's Planned Parenthood is what it's called today. But what was their ultimate goal? Their ultimate goal was to get rid of the misfits, the weeds, the people, the races, they're extremely racist, who they did not believe needed to exist. So this is all being woven into that. See, Planned Parenthood, we think is about birth control. <laughs> it's called population control. And originally, they were dovetailing off of what Hitler was doing uh, in the movement and what he was trying to do. Emma Goldman, aside from one of the earliest feminists, uh, aside from advocating free choice in sexual relations, what's that got to do with equal pay? So you see, all this is put out there in the front. That's the veneer. But when you open up the door, it's like, whoa, have we been lied to? She wanted about a, a, a choice in sexual relations, uh, access to birth control. She served as a mentor for Margaret Sanger, who went on to found the American Birth Control League, which became Planned Parenthood. Someone say that feminism is about basic human rights. It's a, just a modern social movement. The truth is, it's neither social in its origin uh, uh, and its roots are actually ancient and highly religious elements are rarely, if ever, mentioned. They don't tell you the spiritual is what they're saying the spirit of radical feminism is a spirit of witchcraft and rebellion the spirit manifested in jezebel it's the spirit which rejects god's lawful order right and you're going to see by, when we go through this i mean if there's any kind of a i would say just a, like a like oh same thing with the guys that we did for four weeks i would i would put out a theory check your heart Either God says it or he doesn't, and the fact that you would resist that, could it be because we've been infiltrated with a lie? Okay, and we just need to get back to what God has to say. But it's a spiritual movement which rejects God's lawful order and authority and tries to usurp that authority itself, as did Eve in the Garden of Eden. You could trace it way back there. Feminists teach uh, women to see themselves as oppressed, then make sure to blame it all on men and a patriarchal society, okay? And if you resist the movement, you are labeled as a chauvinist, a bigot, and you just really don't understand what feminists are all about. So what are they? Well, feminism is a spiritual movement based on partly the reawakening of the goddess consciousness, okay? It's really what it is. And the real goal is matriarchy. Women are the ones who are to be the rulers, not men. It has nothing to do with equality. Listen to this quote from a feminist, O.H. Uh, Belmont. OHP Billmont, and she said to women call on God my dear she will help you another feminist uh, Rosalind Miles uh, had her own version of Genesis 1-1 account she said in the beginning as humankind emerged from the darkness of prehistory God was a woman and what a woman now, now again I'll say this what does that got to do with equal pay And this is from the people themselves, guys. I'm telling you, there's a veneer going on. We're being duped. The ultimate goal of the uh, patriarchy is a male God, the Father. In response, feminists and the National Council of Churches, we talked about that before in Final Countdown. Okay, that's a a ruse, man. It's trying to get all the churches to come together. The ecumenical movement, go along with the one world religion. uh, It's blasphemous. Uh, They have pushed through a unisex version of the Bible, in which God is our father and mother in heaven, and Jesus is not the son of God, but the child of God. And again, we can go on to town. We've done that before of all the new politically correct versions that are being put out there. Uh, Naomi Goldberg predicted that the continued feminist presence in religion, listen, would force a redefinition of what? Not Hinduism, not Islam, none of that stuff. Guess who? They're trying to redefine. Christianity, the one that would alter the very essence of the Judeo-Christian belief, their own words. Contemporary goddess spirituality draws inspiration from all the various earth-based religions, the Native American spiritism, uh, the the nature religion, especially, guess what? Witchcraft, okay? Uh, A feminist, Charlene Spretnik, she teaches that, quote, goddess worship, paganism, Wicca, and witchcraft, same thing, are all names for a form of natural religion that is centered around the mystery and the psychic mysteries of the female. Women are to regain their natural power to overthrow the global rule of men and for a reestablishment of the female dominance, listen, in bringing an end to the Judeo-Christian religion. It's their own words. Am I making this up? I'm gonna make this up. Now, why is that important? Why do they want to go back to this female deity what does the scripture teach us revelation uh, 17 it is a woman who rides the beast the antichrist this female figure this global female deity figure okay is going to be working in cohorts with the actual antichrist Uh, modern feminists are rediscovering the great goddess certainly nothing can seem to lift a woman's self-esteem more than becoming a goddess now listen it's coming into the church yeah that's their promotion, All right. An instructor at Matthew Fox's Institute for Culture and Creation share pagan persuasions and have been teaching Wiccan rituals and the positive side of witchcraft in church groups and seminaries across the country. They're coming in the church, folks. We've dealt with this before on the final countdown, but I'm telling you, folks, this is real, okay? Uh, despite the fact that Wicca, another name for witchcraft, is indeed occultism, The pagan religion is gaining respect in society because of its respect for the planet and environmental concerns, and because of feminism, because it's all coming from the same root. People are getting sucked into it in a multitude of ways. It would appear that the feminist movement has bought into the oldest life, like Eve, who unfortunately ate the forbidden fruit at the invitation of the serpent with the promise that she would become a god and never die. It is again women as part of the feminist movement, anyway, who have again been deceived by Satan and is trying to pass on the forbidden fruit. It's being repeated again. Isn't that wild? You know, it's almost when Paul says, hey, pay attention, Christian, wake up. Yeah, we need to put on the armor of God, but why? Because did you know that not all of our battles are against flesh and blood? Sometimes it's a spiritual thing going on. You need to understand, you need to do your homework and do the root. Okay, and that's why, listen, this, this whole issue with men and getting with, and when, when, I'm telling you folks, I truly believe this is not just a, well, it's just unfortunate there's a lack of teaching. Well, yeah, that's true, unfortunately. Okay, but it's a spiritual attack. It's a spiritual attack on the church. It's a spiritual attack on the family. Why? Because once you get rid of the family and once you just uh, nullify the church, we're in a heap of trouble. Anybody think that the ills uh, to our society is just an economic thing? Are you kidding me? You think it's just a political thing? Would you, if we could just get the right person in office overnight, it's gonna fix it all? Are you crazy? It's a spiritual battle, okay? A bunch of spiritual agendas have been uh, called down upon us, okay? And we've, we've bought into them slowly but surely. We've been tricked to get away from the scripture, even in the church, and it's come one, come all, okay? And as we saw before, and again, when you try to just even bring basic scripture back to uh, uh, light, you're now the bad guy. That's the trend in the church. As we saw before, the trend in the church, Paul said, how do you know you're in the last days? You're in the last days, if you can believe this, that the church is actually gonna take the initiative when they will only gather around themselves, teachers, people behind the pulpit, who will only teach them, Kenetho in the Greek, pleasant things. I don't know, I'm so glad we're about 50 years off from that coming to pass. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's all you get nowadays, Okay. And that's what's happening. If you start preaching the truth, they want to kick you out. I've got testimonies of pastors that have been kicked out because God worked on their hearts. and says, you need to preach all the scripture and the church kicked them out. I've got other ones where churches now, they refuse to hire guys, believe it or not, who are faithful to all of the scripture, not just the good parts. It's happening from both angles. It's not just men are wimping out from the pulpit. Unfortunately, yeah, I think that it is. But I tell people this all the time. My experience has been, guys, and, and some of the feedback that we get from the media ministry, listen, it's also the churches won't hire you. The fulfillment of that passage of Scripture is coming into pass, okay? And it's messing everything up. And at the core of that is the basic function. As a Christian woman or a Christian man, how are we supposed to behave? And if you don't do it God's way, it doesn't just destroy you. It'll destroy your marriage if you're married, and it'll start to affect your church. Satan knows exactly what he's doing. He's going at the heart. Okay, now let's begin. Um, In the previous chapter, he says, I related how I remember uh, my dad getting up at five o'clock in the morning, loading up his carpenter's tools, and heading out to work. Now, what I did not mention is that my mother was also up at that time, fixing him breakfast and a sack lunch for work. An hour later, she was up again cooking breakfast for five hungry kids and making sure that they were presentable when the family car left the driveway to take us to school. When we had all reached our rooms, my mother was putting on an apron to take part in cooking hundreds of meals in the school lunchroom. And then after a full day's work, she would load us all up in the car and head home. Now, when she arrived home, she retreated to the kitchen to prepare supper for herself, my father, and all five kids. Finally, after washing a load of two clothes, helping some of us with our homework and doing a little house cleaning, she would retire only to rise the next morning at 4.30 to 5 in the morning and start it all over again. Now, just what I said, not that many years ago, folks, that was just basic, by and large, Americana. If I read that out, if this was a story, I said, hey, uh, where's Sonia? Sonia here's hey, let me see if we can get this new story, all I need is I can read pretty fast. You guys know me. I could read this in probably 15 seconds. I just need 15 seconds, and I want to tell you of how America used to be not that long ago. Listen to what this woman did, and if I were to read that in that broadcast, what would be the reaction from society? Oh, my, what a press of Isn't that wild? How fast? Yeah, change the channel. Have a lawsuit probably, okay, is what's going on. And again, I'll say this, and if it sounds kind of freaky to you, then again, we got, where do we draw a source of truth from? It's not a doctrinal statement. You know, the Bible is the the final rule for our faith and practice. This is it. This is where we get it from. And that's the issue. When push comes to shove, do we really do it? Okay, is, is, is the problem, okay? But that's what he says. That was just Americana. Why is that bad? What that woman did, what his mom did, why is that bad? It's not, okay? And uh, man, I remember my grandma, I Just this is one of my arguments I use for uh, uh, grease. Anybody love grease? I love grease. Give me grease, man, grease it up. People say, man, you better get your cholesterol checked. I said, are you kidding me? I don't wanna get a lawsuit. I said, what are you talking about? Because I know, man, I've never had it checked in my life. I know that the moment that they take that little, they poke that finger to get the blood sample, uh, Crisco's gonna pop out and the doctor's gonna (laughs) faint. he's gonna hit his head, he's gonna on the ground, I'm gonna have a lawsuit, forget it, right? So I love Greece, right? I was raised on Greece and this is actually some of my, (laughs) (laughs) explains a lot, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, don't even start. All right, tonight's studies on division in the church and how easy it can happen uh yeah (laughs) no but still with my grandma the cool thing was is uh uh this was my argument because i mean i got my family man they lived 96 years old maybe it's a kansas thing i don't know work hard and whatever burning off i don't know but she would tell me her her routine okay and i I bring this up sort of by way of example as this was just life uh she said she'd get up early in the morning before the men went out in the fields and the lights went out (laughs) and uh no it's cool good good effect no it's okay pastor don't worry about it and uh, so they would get out and uh early in the morning and so she'd be cooking up the embryonic evil (laughs) eggs you know and uh and and bacon right lots of anybody love bacon you know where i'm going sonia oh candy candy bacon yeah so she'd be cooking but of course when you if you cook that stuff you have a lot of what left over bacon grease right she said so then she would get to do some housework but they're going to come in for lunch right so she's doing housework and this is before of washing machines and stuff. In fact, and she thought she was living when she finally got that one that uh, you had the, the, the ringer thing. And uh, did anybody else get big fat spankings when as a little kid you s- shove sticks through there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it was fun a couple times. Okay. <laughs> yes, thank you. Now you can know more specifically how to pray. So, and, uh, but, uh, so anyway, so she's doing that. So then they come for lunch. Of course, guess what she would use to cook the food with? She'd use the leftover bacon grease, right? And so that she could dump that. She's still got tons of grease left over, so they'd all be saving it in a can, right? And so again, she's about doing her work and stuff, and then the men would come home in the fields, and guess what she's using? Cook the food, baking grease. That's good flavor. In fact, she said at the end of the night, okay, if there was baking grease left over, that's what they poured over their food for flavoring. I love grease, right? But my grandma, the way she grows, she says, you know, she said uh, she'd wake up oftentimes in the morning because in the, the, the house they lived in, okay, uh, didn't always have all the cracks and the slats and the boards filled, so sometimes there would be snow inside the house and it'd be kind of cold and chilly, have to start a fire in a pot belly stove to keep warm. And uh, she said, uh, but, uh, and then she, my aunt, uh, she said her birth is, uh, there was no doctor around. They're out in the middle of nowhere in sticks, right? And uh, she uh, was giving birth And her mom was there, but she had to go into the town. I don't take a wagon or whatever. And to go get the doctor, well, obviously took longer. My aunt wasn't going to wait around. So she said she had to that day. Come here's your day. She had to give birth all alone, all by herself. With my aunt, baby, cut the cord, cleaned up the baby, got the baby situated. Oh, men are coming in from the fields. Started cooking food, man, and got things going. That was your day. Now, can I tell you something? My grandma, who's now with the Lord... I admire her greatly. And through it all, I could give you all kinds of horror stories that she went through just through life. But man, she was the hardest work, working woman I ever knew. Okay, and, uh, But at the same time, uh, she always had a great sense of humor. She always had a great sense of humor, even through all that. Okay? But there's something about that mentality. There's something about that that was a, a considered a treasure. That's a good woman. Now this might sound kind of strange, except for Robert, who's from Kansas. But back in my day, the 80s, yeah, we were kind of getting away from it. But earlier, guys, that actually the women back in Kansas in the Midwest, do you know what was considered a good woman? It wasn't the frail-looking critters we see today. It was the hardy women, the ones that had some meat on their bones because they needed to help out, you know, carrying the calves and doing stuff like that. And how everything has changed. But it used to be a good woman like that. And how far we have changed. You've come a long way. Yeah, you've slid in a long way, baby. And you bought into a lie and it's destroying everything. Okay, let's continue on. He says this, now with my dad, I benefited greatly from the things taught me about working on cars, hunting, fishing, and act is right there. Uh, And and, and with my mom, though, I benefit most of all from her constant self-sacrificial example. I have yet to see a more self-sacrificing woman in my lifetime. Uh, uh, Through my mom's example, I learned what it means uh, meant to regard others more important than myself. Turn there, Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. Let's just go ahead and read that. Uh, Well, it depends. If you got a, my Bible, it might be 822. If you got a large print, it's twelve hundred ninety-eight. Would be my guess. Just all depends on the font size. Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. Let's actually start with verse one. And Paul talks about this to obviously the Philippian church, and he says this. He says, "Now listen, if you got any encouragement from being united with Christ." If you got any comfort from his love, anybody appreciate that? You got any fellowship with the Spirit? Uh, are you walking, living, keeping still? Uh, if any uh, tenderness and compassion, uh, then make my joy complete, would you? By being like-minded. Well, how do you do that, Christian? Well, you've got to have the same love. Uh, you've got to be in one spirit. You've got one purpose. And then at the same time, you've got to put this stuff off. He says, do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Can I, and we, How many times have we talked about this? Uh, what's society's attitude? It's all about what? Me, you, it's all about you. And this is at the heart. This is what's so antithetical to this role of a woman, wife, and mother, is the feminist movement is all about me. Me, my rights, my, what I can do and I will prove and I and I am me. No, that doesn't make for a godly woman. Doesn't make for a godly Christian. Okay, it, it, it's not that at all. And that's what he talked about. Now he says this, he says, we stated earlier, we live in a day when fewer and fewer children are growing up with a biblical model for motherhood and manhood as we saw. And this affects their ability to select a mate. Now I mean, that's another thing, right? How do you know who to look for? right who, who do you think I, I tell young parents or people you know getting ready to have kids or whatever and i say listen you need to realize that uh uh you are basically early on with your kids you're modeling everything right A monkey see monkey do right and, and eventually you'll learn that typically in public when you do something wrong and then they repeat what you've been saying or doing right right and, uh, but again, that's when the spouses start blaming it on, well, that's from your side of the family, no, that's your side, yeah. <laughs> yeah if you got anybody, it works for a couple times anyway. Uh, but uh, but uh, uh, that, that's what he says, and well, how do you know? How do you know, a uh, young man growing up, what, what, what is a godly mother? What kind of a wife would be a great wife? Well, look at your mom. Ladies flipping around, what would make for a great husband? Well, look at your dad. See, this is the benefit, right? This is the seed, this is the, uh, the legacy, okay, that we have as Christians. You know, again, our, our, our goal is to pass the torch, if you will, to a, a, the next godly generation. How does that happen? Well, you go to Walmart, and you pop open that can of godly generation, you pour it on your kid's head, at least give it to them at least once a week, and you're good to go. Wouldn't it be nice if that was actually true? But it's not. It comes from day in, day out, simply being that model, that commercial for what is a godly man, what is a godly woman, what is a godly wife, what is a godly husband? And our kids, by and large, because how many times we know this, even as people, okay, who are married, nine times out of 10, good, bad, or ugly, when it comes to how we treat each other in our current marriage, we resort back to how we grew up and what we saw, right? And, it's the same. and you, 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 when we know that, so you think our kids aren't going to repeat that? That's how the cycle continues, Okay. So the challenge is, is, not, we have to get out of this selfish box. It's all about me, me, and I'll be me. And not just from the feminist route, but we have to realize that, listen, there's other me's watching me. And I have got to get back to being that godly man or husband, father, woman, wife, and mother. Okay, they're watching me. What I do now, what you do now, right now, whether you see it, believe it or not, is affecting the next generation. That's a heavy mantle. But that's what the Bible says. We got to get back to that, is what he says. He says, now that affects that ability. For this reason, it's important that in the church, we look at what the Bible has to say about the Christian woman, wife, and mother. And uh, may God grant their tribe to increase, uh, to raise up a godly generation to praise and serve him. Okay? And so what should that character of a Christian woman Uh, look like? Well, Debbie, thanks for asking. It works well with this uh, chapter. It says here in our last chapter, we discussed the role of the man, husband, and father. We began that discussion by dealing with what the Bible has to say about the Christian man's character. We will now do the same for the Christian woman. So Paul talks about this in uh, in 1 Timothy 2, actually, is what it needs to be. Let's go ahead and turn there. Let's grab that text. What does he say? Uh, What is the pathway? How are you gonna get to that Uh, uh, 1 Timothy 2, Uh, that godly woman? He lays it on the line here. First Timothy two, verses, um, start with verse eight. Talks about men then he moves on to the women in the context. He says, now listen, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in what? Prayer. Once again, who's to be the spiritual guy? Who's the one who's taking the impetus? Who's the one who's leading the way? Men are, right? You're praying without anger or disputing. Now, I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, okay? uh, But with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God, right? That's the impetus that's there, okay? It's not you, it's not exerting yourself. uh, It is about uh, uh, this uh, internal uh, thing that's going on with your character and we're gonna get to that. In the church of Ephesus, there was a problem with some of the women coming to public worship dressed extravagantly and adorned with costly jewelry. Their manner of dress was not only distracting to others. Oh, here's one. I and mean, we're gonna get, I mean, well, let me, no, let me deal with this now. Distracting to others, it was, just, it was like some sort of uh, keeping up with the Joneses thing, right? Uh, and this is one of the things that I appreciate about uh, here at Sunrise, okay? Because we all know that the only way that you can come to church services here is you have to wear slacks and a tie like me. And somehow, if you don't wear slacks and a tie, you are ungodly. No. Now, I think, to be honest with you, I think in some aspects, we've, we've gone a little bit too far on the other side and we're getting really liberal because there's something about coming into, if you will, the house of God that I think we're losing the respect factor. But at the same time, You can't have a dress code because some people, new Christians, or people come and they don't know any better. And how many times? Has anybody ever encountered this? I've actually had people say, I can't come. I don't have any nice clothes. Who gives a rip? Come on, right? We'll stop off at Walmart, get you some shoes. I don't care. Come on down, right? But see, these, now listen to this. So if a person came in within the church service and the ladies in the context here, and they've they got all this Gucci stuff and all whatever stuff whatever, and then if a newcomer or a, 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 another young woman, remember, you're supposed to be the godly example to the other ladies and people, and how would they feel? Feel out of place or feel like, well, gosh, I gotta go spend some cash to keep up with those people, or I guess that's what you're supposed to do in church service, and it gets all messed up, Okay? And that's what he's talking about. That's one aspect of it. He says, but uh, it was distracting to others, but uh, betrayed their attitudes as they approach worship. You're supposed to come to church services and you're supposed to bring your scorecard and you're supposed to wear all your best uh, to impress everybody because it's all about you and you're putting on a show for everybody to show how awesome and and cool you are. And those people up on stage, whether it's the music or the pastor, they better give you a Good show the way you like the show, because that's what it's all about. Oh I'm sorry, I'm reading that wrong Bible again. But see, that's the attitude. that's that me mentality, right? It ain't about you. okay? What is your attitude supposed to be when you come to a church service? It's, you're here to worship Jesus Christ, right? And, 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 and uh, listen intently to the scripture. Pray that God would illuminate it to you. Pray that God would use the pastor. If he could use a donkey, he could use me. Pray that God would use the pastor uh, and, and that the spirit of God would take the word of God and, and bless you with it. Do you think it's by chance he's preaching what he's preaching on? How, I've done this just even visiting churches. How many times you go to a church service and it's like, man, that's exactly what I, what? That's the spirit. You think nothing's by chance. So it's, and guess what? It's nothing's by chance here. God has a reason for everything. And we have to put our mindset into the right mindset. We've come here to worship, and God could use anybody in anything, and he could bless his word for me, if my heart's right, with the right attitude. Same thing with the uh, music. It's not up here about a show, right? Try to do our best, okay? But it's about what? Hopefully somewhat conducive, so that it could become a platform for other people to take that song and put up the scorecard go, oh, that was 7.9. what do you think, Bob? Oh, it was 6.4. Or hey, oh no, I thought it was nine. No, it was like, you make that song, they're providing an atmosphere that's conducive for you from your own heart, which nobody can do but you, and you sing a love song back to Jesus with that song. That's what it's supposed to be about. And can you imagine how our church services would be if that was our attitude every single time we showed up and this whole self thing was out the window? Whoa, I'd say it'd be radically different. In fact, I would say everyone would be blessed when they left here and yet nothing changed. Isn't that interesting? And that's what he's talking about. Don't come with the wrong, and that's your word there, the motivation, motivation is your first blank. Hey, turn to somebody and clap with them. We made it through one word. We got one blank filled in tonight. We're cruising now. Thank you, Jeanette, thank you. (laughs) But that's what's your motivation, right? What is your motivation? The motivation was either one of pride or displaying their wealth or one of sexual enticement. My goodness. Okay, cover it up. I'm sorry. The, the Christian church services, what's your motivation? You're here to worship God. This is not a meat market, right? And isn't just you ladies that you need to be careful. Uh, guys are visual, general period. So please be careful. Please don't be a distraction to other guys. Uh, One guy, he said this, he says, hey, listen, if you're not in business, don't advertise, right? So cover it up, right? And don't don't be a temptation, but listen, guys can do it too, right? Really, it's 22 degrees and you really have to wear that muscle shirt? (laughs) I'm sorry, it works both ways. What is your motivation? And that's what he's talking about in the context with the ladies, but it spills over in a whole bunch of different arenas, doesn't it? What is our motivation for coming to church services? We need to clean it up, okay? But again, we've got to be those examples because guess what? Monkey see, monkey do. And I've learned that it's monkey see, monkey do is the same thing in church world. People do, people dress, people say, people speak, people even, even pray. Oh, Lord, I, thou, die, thee, thy, thou, thou. Well, why in the world? You don't talk to anybody else like that. Why are you talking about? well, brother so-and-so, that's how he prays. It's so wonderful. Hey, listen, I'm not against that. If that's really how you talk, but what are you doing? Monkey see, monkey do. You're giving people the impression that that's how I, I, I got some superficial way, some manner that I've got to approach God with some ancient, the games that we play. He said, listen, get rid of that stuff. Get your motivation right. You're here to worship God, right? And if that's your motivation, do you really have to remember all these rules? I shouldn't do that. Oh yeah. I come here not to advertise, okay? No, you know, some people say, well, well gee whiz, where what, what are you going to go the other extreme? You, uh, ladies can't wear makeup or anything? no. I've said this before, and I didn't make this up. It's from J. Vernon McGee, so I will blame it on him. But he says, hey, listen, when it comes to that issue, he says, you know, there's liberty. And he says, well, it's just pretty simple. If, 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 a, if a barn needs painting, paint it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he said it, not me, okay? But, it's not, you know, but, but, but this is what he's saying. He says, but yet don't go to the other extreme, man. And don't become, you know, some sort of messed up motivation as to why you're here. Okay, and that's what he's talking about. And again, guys can do the same thing too. He says, Paul says that the proper apparel for the Christian woman making claim to godliness is your next blank there. Making claim to godliness is modest uh, and discreet. Uh, if there is to be an extravagant adornment, it should come in the area of what? Good works, right? You wanna put something on? Put on some good works. Be that godly woman. Everywhere you go, that, the people say, man, look at the clothes you're sporting today. You're loving, you're being kind, you're awesome, you're serving Jesus and great example. Man, I love your outfit today. Now that'll preach. Should be good works. This type of adornment confirms that the character of the woman making a claim to godliness is manifesting that godliness in everyday life through her care and concern for her family. It's your next blank there. And others. Turn to another one, Titus chapter two. Let's just take a look at one example there. Titus chapter two. Titus, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And This is what Paul said. Now, this is what Paul's saying to young pastor Titus. Here's what you're supposed to do. He says, now, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. You teach the older man to be what? Temperant, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in the faith, in love, and endures. Here's the same thing. Likewise, you teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. They should not be slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Uh, then they can what? Where's your example? Then you could turn around and be that monkey see, monkey do. Train younger women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, and so that no one will what? Malign the word of God, right? So again, now it comes down to your witness, right? Wherever you go. It's the same thing we saw with guys, right? We are to be that positive witness wherever we go. And it's the same thing uh, with the ladies. He says, we find a similar passage in Peter's letter to the believers in Asia Minor. There he writes, and let not your adornment Uh, be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing the gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, okay? Uh, uh, And it's precious in the sight of God. The churches in uh, Northern Asia Minor were experiencing the same problem as the church in Ephesus, because obviously this is the same issue, as uh, the Southern Asia counterpart. Many of the women were more concerned with what was external, than what they were with what was internal. Can I tell you something? That's a feminist attitude. It's all about the outside. It's all about you and how you look and how you present yourself and how you exert yourself. And it's all about you and you and you. Completely antithetical, okay? And that's what he says. He says this, many of the women were more concerned what was external than what was internal. Peter points out their concerns should be more for the adornment of the hidden person of the heart And this adornment should be a gentle, is your next blank there, the gentle and quiet spirit. Uh, This type of spirit is not only imperishable, listen to this, it's also precious in the sight of God. It's precious in the sight of God. The Greek word there uh, for gentle is praus, uh, refers to humble and gentle, uh, which expresses itself and patient submissiveness. It's also the exact same word that we translate for meek that Jesus used of himself, meek and lowly. And Moses is called meek, it's the gentleness of strength, not mere uh, effeminacy, okay? And a meek and quiet go together. The doubling uh, intensifies the virtue, he says. This meekness is always quiet, listen, loudness, intemperate, irate speech, the actions, those actions are foreign to the biblical attitude, the biblical spirit of the woman. A steady, balanced strength uh, 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 keeps it on. and even kills such a wife, listen, is a treasure for the husband. Can I tell you something, ladies? I, I say this all the time. Lord will might get to this in the marriage study. But uh, um, you'll get more out of your husband by encouraging him what he can be and what you believe him to be than what you discourage him to be. A man's greatest need is respect. Woman's is typically security. We've dealt with that before. One of the easiest ways to unfortunately disrespect a man is with your mouth. Okay? And so God has given you greater verbal skills from earlier on if you do the studies. And I think part of that is, is to help fulfill that need for the man. That you could use the power of your words to make him want to be a better man. To bust his back for you because you believe and him and his role as that godly man, okay? Not use your words to shred them apart. So what he says, man, a gentle and quiet spirit, this irate thing, this loudness, this famous thing. And can I tell you something, ladies? I'll speak for most guys, okay? um, We're not attracted to that either. We're not attracted to the hell and ready. I am woman. I am strong. I chew 16... Penny nails all day long, <laughs> we, we, I, most guys, I'm sorry, oh, that's not an attraction to us, but you give us a godly woman, you give us a woman with a gentle, This doesn't mean she can't speak up, I mean, we'll get to that eventually, come on, there's a balance here, uh, it doesn't mean like, you know, the feminists would accuse us of, you know, you should, you know the, uh, duct tape to the stove, pregnant all the time, well, you've heard all the baloney, that's not what he's talking about here, but a woman with a gentle and quiet spirit, you know what a guy usually does with that, I'll bust my back for you, you're a treasure, oh, right, A man will bust his back for you if he knows when he goes home that his wife has got his back. It's bad enough being out in the world because the whole world shreds you apart as a man, right? But there's something about coming home and your wife uses the power of her words to build you up with that gentle and quiet spirit, okay? And again, it's not just for the men, okay? It's for the family. And we have got to get back to that. And and what he say there, he says, such a Christian wife is a treasure for any husband. But what did the context say there? He said, and it's a pleasure to God. Oh, Pastor Billy, if I only knew as, uh, uh, as a, a Christian woman, I just, I, I just don't know, I, I, I'm lost. Can you give me some direction? I mean, h- how can I live a life as a Christian woman to, to, to please God and h- how can that happen? And I just, uh, well, can you do this? Do you, do you wanna live a day uh, to, to bring a smile to God? What a goal! Then do this. Then live your day, not with this selfish, self-centered attitude. As he says, uh, don't be that bad example. Don't be a, uh, he said in the context, a slander, uh, using your words to cause harm. Don't, don't get drunk on wine. Don't, don't make a show about yourself. He says, man, it's this inner thing I'm looking for. It's your character and how you treat your husband and how you treat your kids. Now again, I'm gonna close with one, uh, probably one of the great examples. And I really think that as husbands and wives, that we really forgot that we really are right now, whether you see it or not, believe it or not, how we live. And dare I say, even in the church context, maybe you're not married and maybe you don't even have kids. Guess what? People are still watching you. Young crumb snatchers, the teenagers are watching you, right? In fact, I see there's a couple back there. Let's give it a, hey guys, how you doing? Woo! Okay, they're excited. But uh, they're watching us. And what kind of a example are we giving them? They're the next generation. What example are we giving them of what it means to be a godly Christian or uh, a man or woman? What, what, what example uh, are we giving? Let me close with this. Susanna Wesley, you guys familiar with her? Listen to this, man. But listen to the payoff of day in, day out being that godly woman, wife, and mother. There's a huge payoff. Uh, At the age of 19, she became the wife of Samuel Wesley and he was an Anglican minister. They were married for 44 years. They suffered illness, disease, poverty and the death of children. Uh, But through it all, Susanna accepted the will of God and placed herself and her family in his hands. Susanna bore 19 children. Now that's a crop, okay? Uh, Nine though died as infants, including two sets of twins. One baby was accidentally smothered. Uh, by a maid, uh, another was crippled for life in a tragic accident. Susanna met her trials with the faith in God that she had learned from a child. So somebody passed that on to her, right? She was the youngest of 25. 19, she had a ways to go. No matter what circumstances, however, Susanna was committed to caring for her family the best way possible. Uh, though resources were limited, she started a daily school for her children. Uh, she said her purpose was exclusively as a mom, why am I here? saving their souls wow what a ministry so the rigorous academics never took priority over the instruction of god's word boy have we flipped as a society huh each day before class she set aside an hour to herself for scripture reading and prayer right because you got to stay strong yourself especially with 19 kids uh, and then led them in singing psalms. Susanna trained her children to obey and in doing so, richly molded their characters. Each child had separate responsibilities, which was a necessity in a large household like that. When one was disruptive, Susanna responded with appropriate discipline. She never disciplined excessively or unkindly, but she did discipline. And boy, that's another thing that's being taken away today, isn't it? Okay. They were taught to cry softly, to eat what was put before them and not to... Did anybody, at, this was the one time. This was the one time. If you guys, if your dad ever do this, I mean, I, I was raised that way. You eat, you hungry, hungry. you want right? you don't really got to work, start shoveling, start chopping that wood, right? but you're going to eat whatever it is. I don't care what it is. There was one time, one time, mom actually made eggplant casserole and it was so horrific. That was the one meal that got uh, dad trumped. <laughs> Said, we're not eating that. Kids, you don't have to eat that. So I wish he would have done with the liver and onions, but he didn't. Uh, And uh, so they were taught uh, to cry softly, eat what was put before them, not to raise their voices or play noisily. Uh, All but one children learned to read from the age of five, including the girls, and she made it a rule for herself to spend an hour a day with each of her children over a period of a week. Wow. Wow. And because she wanted to develop a personal relationship with each child, she scheduled a private appointment with each of them once a week for encouragement. And these bonds of faith and love helped them to survive their continual hardships. Twice their home was burned and destroyed by fire, twice, and God saved them from the flames. In the second fire, one of her sons, uh, John, was only five. He was trapped upstairs. Neither Susanna nor Samuel could reach him, uh, but they heard the cries uh, of John there on the second uh, floor there and uh, they prayed, and John appeared in the window just in time to be grabbed before the roof caved in. Now, through it all, she remained a steadfast Christian woman who taught not only uh, 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 the scriptures, uh, through the scriptures, but through her own example of daily trust in God. And it was said that the age of six or seven, her son John stated this early on with this godly mother at home, that, quote, he would never marry because early on, because he witnessed this, because I could never find such a woman as my father had. Seven years old, that was his conclusion of how awesome his mother was. Now her sons were John, two of the sons were John and Charles Wesley. Charles, if you know anything with the music, what is it, like 6,000 hymns he wrote? Some uh, incredible number, 3,000, thousands of them, right? John, of course, between the two of them, just two of her sons being raised in that environment. You talk about affecting the next generation? Won tens of thousands of souls to Christ. Just two kids coming out of that environment. That's the power of a godly woman, wife, and mother. And our society would tell you ladies, hey, forget that. Make yourself like a man. That's a successful life. It sounds like this one's much more influential and powerful. How about you? We got to get back to that. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness, okay? That's called lying, okay? And if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar, okay? The, the another commandment says, you shall not steal, okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does, and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now they didn't earn it, uh, they certainly don't deserve it, and there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime, okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Mm. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down, but God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702 452 8599